I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Missives from the World of Brass. Chapter 5, Dandy of the Year. From the desk of Cyril Brass, as featured in the pages of Jim Dandy, the magazine for dandies. From the moment my half-mechanical valet, Stevie, told me the news, I have been thrilled to be chosen as the Dandy of 1886 by Jim Dandy magazine, formerly known as Dandy for Dandies, and prior to that known as Dandy's Monthly, which is when I first knew it, as an early and avid reader. In my impressionable years, Dandy's Monthly was required reading, though I had to obtain copies illicitly, for my mother considers fashion to be suited only for fops, fribbles, or popinjays, as she'd put it. Yet her censure could not blunt my enthusiasm. All my life, I've loved clothes, and I've always had very firm opinions on what I would and would not wear. As a child, for example, I refused to wear a sailor suit, though they were all the rage, as I felt it was disrespectful to the enlisted men of the British Navy. I wore a captain's suit instead. It had gold braid and a better hat. Today, there is little I love as much as an afternoon out with chums discussing the important issues. How stiff this season's shirt collar. Are peg-top trousers out or in? Is a false waistcoat an unseemly ruse or an ingenious adjustment? And what if the seersucker? Does it even exist? Some consider these matters unimportant. My sister Gwendolyn says my interest in fashion is both trivial and hopelessly bourgeoisie, though I'm not sure if either of us know what that means. Still, a little hurtful. I was recently telling her about the first great dandy, Beau Brummel who, as the saying goes, was a nobody, who made himself somebody, and gave the law to everybody. And she said to me, What did this Beau Brummel person ever do? What did he do? He changed the way that men dressed in this country, and therefore the world. And how did he do that? He sat at a window and acknowledged or ignored certain people passing in the street. That's it? That's all he did? 
Well, it was the bow window at the Gentleman's Club White's, and the people passing included the Prince Regent. Brummel set the standard for fashion we've all followed for a hundred years. Trousers, not breeches. Simplicity over ornamentation. Hair, not powdered wigs. Clean linen, clean skin, and brushed teeth. He improved our health and elevated our appearance. He made an impact. I suppose we can thank him for personal hygiene and better dental care. But fashion is superficial. Choose better role models, Cyril. A dandy is simply a sanctioned narcissist, contemplating no more of the world than his own mirror. You hear that? She's just mean. Uh, perhaps there's some truth to this. If I didn't have a mirror and a full wardrobe, I don't know what would get me up some mornings. And the amount I've spent at haberdashers, tailors, and the Alibaba-like temples of wonder that served the discriminating on German Street and Savile Row has been considerable. All to adorn myself in a near-endless collection of cuffs, stick pins, watch chains, watch fobs, fob charms, collar studs, and cravats, as well as this particularly splendid lavender waistcoat. Oh, I do wish you could see it. And how it sets off my silver-striped trousers. Anyhow, when having to defend myself from a vicious sibling, I remember what the great Thomas Carlyle says in his philosophical treatise, Sartor Resartus, or The Tailor Retailered. He defines a dandy as nothing more nor less than a clothes-wearing man, a man whose trade, office, and existence consists in the wearing of clothes. Every faculty of his soul, spirit, purse, and person is heroically consecrated to this one object, the wearing of clothes wisely and well, so that while others dress to live, he lives to dress. Well, I don't know if I live to dress, but I certainly feel more alive when I'm well turned out and on the promenade. I adore yellow gloves, gilded sticks, and there is nothing that smells so wonderful as a freshly starched shirt. <laughs> if that makes me a dandy, then so be it. It's also a remarkably good lure for bringing forth violent ruffians. You'd be surprised at the number of toughs who view a well-tied cravat as a provocation for a dust-up. Which raises the question, how does being a dandy fit into my irregular schedule as an amateur detective? It can be an inconvenience. There's nothing like fitting yourself with a resplendent chinois dragon red westcoat and a brand new lime green cravat for a night out on the town, only to find yourself yanked into some mystery or other. The worst are murders. From crime scene to final apprehension of desperate criminal, there are absolutely H-E double polo mallets on your clothing. Yet, it can be tremendously useful. People don't expect a dandy to be much of a fighter. And if there's one thing I enjoy even more than a well-tailored frock coat, it's violence. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm quite an easygoing sort of chap, really. Not one of those awful sort of bravos who throws a punch at the first fellow to jostle his shoulder at the bar. Honestly, bar toughs are unimaginative. Rarely good for more than an inexpert haymaker or right cross. What I love about a good fighter is how graceful he can be. How precise. Ah, a pugilist, a wrestler, one of the astonishing martial artists we met in Japan. <laughs> They move like dancers, the limber muscles and engaged in, in fluid motion. Hmm. If you're in a really good fight, it's like a dance. Just two nights ago, I had a fight just like that. What was even better? It was against a fellow wearing the dashing outfit of a South American gaucho, which was a little odd, come to think of it. 
I was on the trail of some smugglers working out of the Isle of Dogs, led by that malodorous malefactor, the Mudlark. Imagine my surprise to discover the warehouse I was casing, which contained a large amount of the Mudlark's loot, was being set alight by this dashing gaucho and two other men. When I approached, he began using a cut-and-thrust pattern entirely unknown to me, with a wicked-looking knife known as a cuchillo. He started with feints using the stop, then lateral cuts, and finally a sequence leading to a sort of marvelous undercut, <laughs> while he counterbalanced. Beautiful! He nearly disemboweled me. Nearly. I was sad to have the fight end, for after my dispatching of said gaucho, the other two fighters were hmm, significantly less accomplished variety and were both dressed with the shabby lack of care that identifies two gents of the gutter. The tall one had a mean reach and a meaner knife, but had neglected to lock it into place, while his shorter companion clicked his heels and then started trying to kick me with a stiletto that had appeared at the tip of his boot. <laughs> I would give this an 8 out of 10 for style, but regrettably a 2 out of 10 for efficiency. If we're being honest, he was just having trouble with his kicks. <laughs> After my thrilling pas de deux with the gaucho, I simply wanted out of their company, quickly. A duck here, an ankle twist there, and they were both on the ground. I did take the boot, though, as a memento. Aside from the stiletto, it's a fairly unremarkable walking boot. Mm, not one I would wear. Stitching looks a bit shoddy at the back. Now, there are those who will say that today's dandies are decadent. Merely a paler shade of lavender compared to the likes of such legends as Count Dorsey or Brummel. <laughs> They'll tell you that someone like Oscar Wilde is a big silly lily of a man. Well, I know Oscar, and I'll tell you he's not only one of the wittiest coves you'll ever meet, he's one of the bravest. How's he brave? Well, I was walking with him down the Strand just the other day, and we both heard a big angry-looking fellow say as he passed us, There goes that bloody fool, Oscar Wilde. You know what Oscar said to me? It's extraordinary how soon one gets known in London. Who said that? Oh, Oscar. What are you doing back here? That boot. Where'd you get it? At the Mudlark's warehouse. I'm taking it. Why? Reasons. Is it a clue? It's probably a clue. Now, where was I? <laughs> oh, yes. My annoying sister's charge that dandyism is selfish. I asked Oscar about this very thing, and he told me... One should either wear a work of art, or be a work of art. <clears throat> Being a dandy is my art. A deeply unselfish art. Like a butterfly flitting from behind the locked gate of a London garden, my silk hat, stiff collar, immaculate coat, gilded stick, and creased trousers, and not to mention, of course, this stunning off-cream waistcoat with matching pearl stick pin, are offered out to the rest of the world gratis. Whenever I take a promenade, proof that art and beauty seek freedom. In closing, my message to the readers of Jim Dandy, the magazine for dandies is, if you're a dandy, then you're a dandy. It doesn't matter if the clothes you wear are from Savile Row or from Petticoat Lane or your own closet. If you wear your ensemble with confidence, style, and a belief in who you are when you promenade, that's all that matters. And that's... Dandy. Dandy of the Year was performed by Jeremy Adams as Cyril Brass, with a special appearance from Catherine Grant Sutty as Gwendolyn. It was written by John Longenbar, with musical composition by Bruce Monroe, and engineered by Catherine Grant Sutty. To listen to more of The Adventures of Brass, find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please do consider posting a review. It is such a pleasure to hear from our listeners.